0: So then, let's go to, to our message. Oh, it's an exciting message to me, uh, this message. <laughs> Is there ever a message that's not exciting to me? Uh, I don't think so. But uh, uh, very exciting because it, it, it deals here with um, the idea that God has done some things for us so that we don't have to walk in defeat or in, in, uh, in depression, or in lack of victory, or in addiction, or in uncontrol, or in things sticking to us as if we're trapped, because we are not. Uh, God has given us a way of escape. So I'm calling this bigger than the great escape. Bigger than the great escape. Let us go to the verses. We are looking at 2 Peter chapter 1. The focus verses are verses 3 and 4. But for the sake of context, I want to read verses 1 and 2 also because (laughs) the secret in, in interpreting the Bible is really context. You cannot just take something out of context and make it say what you think it says and it doesn't say that in reality. So, uh, I, that's why I want to be a little bit careful over here to, to give you a little bit more context to see what Peter is saying. So let me read those first four verses. I will emphasize a little bit the things that I would like for you to t- remember, remember this, remember, I told you to remember that. uh, uh and, and so for, for the sake of context and for, for you to be able to follow what, what is going on. Um. Verse 1, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God or another translation, your translation might say in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Verse 3 and this 3 and 4 is where we're going to focus on. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by another translation might say to uh, glory and virtue. Verse four, by which we have been given, by which have been given to us, sorry, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of his divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So just, we are going to focus on three and four. So we're going to do that in detail, but just coming back to verses one and two for the, for like I said, for the context sake. Um, So he's writing here, surely and, and purely to the ones who are followers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking, he says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Like precious faith with us, so the same as Peter and and company, he says, You have obtained the same faith, so you are also followers of Jesus Christ. Then he even specifies it by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Then in verse 2, he goes on to say, Grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God, or in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And I want to point out to you that that is just not a, a verse all by itself because it is connected, it's in context with verses 3 and 4 as well. Uh, in verses 3 and 4, so you have, in, in 2, you have grace and peace multiplied. And I want to show you that the grace and peace are multiplied in verses 3 and 4. In verses 3 and 4, grace is by definition something that is given to us that we cannot earn, that we cannot work for, that we cannot pay for, or anything like this. So in verses 3 and 4, each of those verses, the word given is mentioned, so that God had given us something. So that it talks about the, the grace in there that is multiplied. So, and it says, right at the beginning of verse 3, according as his divine power has given to us, or the New new King James says, as his divine power has given, so it it, it clarifies a little bit uh, verse verse two, but we're going to verses um, three and four. I had um, I had to think a lot about the title. Um, usually, it's not that hard, but I had too many choices. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like somebody having fifteen suits in their closet and they don't know which one to wear. If you have just one, it is not a problem. Uh, but there were so many important and significant words and phrases in verses three and four that, uh, you know, I could have chosen, uh, something about his divine power and could have said, uh, the overcoming power of the Lord. I could have had that title. Or like I said, the word given is mentioned in each verse and I could have called, I could have titled it, uh, what a great gift, uh, Uh, not to be smart whatever i'm not that smart but but just to say that i I had a bit of a struggle Uh, all things so i i could have titled it all things and nothing less or something like that uh through the knowledge of him i could have titled it it's all about knowing jesus because it is all about knowing jesus um called by glory and virtue so uh, different titles but because i wanted to emphasize today the fact that God has provided us an escape from our lower nature and the desires of the flesh where lots of people, I'm talking about Christian folks included, uh, lots of Christian folks feel stuck in a place, in a place of maybe, you know, pornography, stuck. They, they ca- cannot shake it or alcoholism or drugs or other things like anger or unforgiveness or, or these these type of things. So, I called I called the sermon today. I titled it "Bigger Than The Great Escape," and I, I'll explain it a little bit to you. "Bigger Than The Great Escape." Uh, for you young ones that 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 may not remember, uh, in the, in 1963. <laughs> so yeah, that was a while back. There was a war film, a very powerful warfare fi- war film called the great escape had some great actors in there and and, and that had a lot of money and, and so on and so forth and uh, I watched the movie at that time and it was basically about a bunch of American soldiers who planned and executed an escape from the prison that they were in had ha- being held captive by, by the Germans so um, here in the first chapter Peter is addressing the soldiers of the Lord and and he is trying to tell us you don't have to plan anything and you don't have to execute any sort of escape because Jesus has provided that to you and for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. So our part is just to walk in it, to know it, to believe it. To believe what that what God says. It is true. But like I said earlier. So much of the church is is, is, is in bondage. Of, of, of some sort. Uh, so much. I, I'm a pastor remember. So I do a lot of counseling. And uh, I, I, not only people from my church. But sometimes people come from another church. They maybe feel too close to their pastor. And then they. They, they want to come to us uh, and I, I, I honor that and I don't want them to come to our church per se, uh, but unless the Holy Spirit leads them. But I'd be happy to counsel them, put them on their way and, and ask them and encourage them, go back to your church and I'll be a blessing uh, where, you, where, where you're at. Uh, so there is a lot of ungodliness, ungodly behavior. Uh, not only that but that people sometimes feel stuck in it. They feel trapped in it. They feel locked in. My dear brothers and sisters, no child of God should ever have to live like that. Uh, I mentioned some of the things that are so prevalent in the church. So prevalent in the church, the church. And God has made a way for us, and yet so not all of us, many of us don't take God up. On what he has done for us. We, 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 we're sitting back and, and let the animal be, beat up on us. When God says, hey, listen. <laughs> Talking about beating up. Ah Jesus beating up uh, uh, on the way to the cross. And, and on the cross. And, and took on the cross every single sin of anger. Every single solitary person of all time on his shoulders. It was included in the cross experience. And in the resurrection experience showing the victory of it all so um, so don't don't be stuck you don't have to be stuck in these these crazy things like drugs and alcohol or lying or telling white lies even a white lie sorry the word says it right over there it might be white but it's a lie <laughs> it's just a matter of color then uh, 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 a lie a uh, 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 cheating stealing in small ways or in big ways. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the example that one of my favorite preachers, Ravi Zacharias, an, an apologist, uh, I call him the C.S. Lewis of today, he told a story about uh, a man's son uh, being uh, uh, scolded and, and, and the father being called in and says, hey, we're going to have to uh, send your son home for a few days uh, because uh, he he is, stealing, he is stealing pencils here at the school and pens and his father says i don't understand why my son would be stealing pens and pencils i could bring him some i could bring him some pencils and pens from work <laughs> you see that his father was stealing from work pens and pencils and he didn't think it was a problem no wonder his son didn't think it was a problem so sometimes we find ourselves even being raised in that way somewhat with these misunderstandings and these a uh, flaw flawed Thinkings uh, of people, and then we grow up in a culture like that, and then we can't help it. But that God has, but God says, I, I don't care what you grew up in. And now He, he, he does care. I, I'm just trying to say, it doesn't matter to Him so much what you grew up He has made a way out. He has made a way out. He has made a way out. So maybe you are a, a constant gossiper. He has made a way out. Maybe you are a constant complainer. He has made a way out. Maybe you are on drugs. He has made a way out. Maybe you are unfaithful. He has made a way out. So, he has made a way out. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, I'm not saying that it's all as easy as maybe you understand me to say it. It's not. But he has made a way out nevertheless. So today... Uh, I want to concentrate on that very thing that you don't have to live like you're living in defeat. If you live like that, it is because you want to, not because you have to. It is because you want to and not because you have to because as we will find out later that we are sharing in the divine nature of God. We are sharing, In the divine nature of God. God's nature. He has shared that with us. And so we don't have to walk. Like we don't belong to him. Like we don't have his nature. Like we have another nature. Yes. So. uh, Though you might feel. In a way. Trapped or stuck. uh, Maybe are deceived. Beguiled. Beguiled. Uh, outsmarted by the enemy. You might be tricked, but you are not locked in. Jesus has made a way out. Bigger than the great escape. So let's look at the text. Sorry, I I just needed to uh, emphasize and re-emphasize that a little bit. So I want it pressed upon your heart that you don't have to live that way, that God has made a way out. Bigger than the great escape. So, like I said, there are many important phrases and words in in, in this text, in these two verses. So I I want to go through these uh, words that many times don't have the normal day-to-day, everyday meaning that in our everyday talk, the way we talk. Power, for an example. I want to clarify that word. Okay, so here then, in verse 1, it says that, uh, I'm sorry, the first verse, which is verse 3 for us. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to the knowledge of him who called us to or by glory and virtue. That's verse 3. So we'll talk about the different parts of verse 3. The first word is divine. Divine. So it is not just any power. It is not just Physical power, all that is, although that is included, it is not just uh, the, the power of willpower or whatever. This is this is divine power. That means it originates in in God and with God. Then the word power. So it is divine first of all, and then the word power is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. Okay, that's 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 normal. That's easy to see. Uh, but what is power? If we would, des- if we would uh, define the word power, what, what would you think? So my, my definition is something that overcomes resistance. Something that overcomes resistance. Here in the text, the particular Greek word has an additional meaning in the tense that it is used. Uh, that is to say, uh, the word power over here Is not a power that God has to go someplace to get it. It is inherent power. I I follow what I'm saying. It is inherent power. In other words, he doesn't have to go to the gym and lift weights for him to have the power. That is who he is. The power came with who he is. It is inherent to him. As opposed to us, all power that we get is either uh, designated so uh, given to us or we have gone to the gym or someplace to get it so it it, it gives us uh, some sort of a power the power of God is inherent to God it is divine power it is godlike power that is beyond physical power it is more even so a spiritual power that manifests itself also in the physical for an example uh, I love my wife Sybil right this is a spiritual power i love her but it manifests itself in physical things that i do things for her (laughs) hey by the way we have a project going on this weekend cleaning up the garage (laughs) that shows you how much i love my wife huh (laughs) yes cleaning the garage A, 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 a huge job and then our son came and he's putting a new ceiling in the garage and so that it stops drooping, and maybe uh, uh, the threat of uh, uh, the, the, the of of, of collapsing. Uh, so, anyways, power. So, uh, when I think about the power of God, uh, there's two things that come to my mind. One is the power to. you uh, Remember, my definition was something that overcomes resistance. Yes. So, uh, dunamis, we got the word dynamite from it. So, uh, what, what comes to my mind is first of all, is the word deliverance that God has the power to deliver you from alcoholism. Just like that. He's done it often and he'll do it again. This is not the last or the, the first or the last time that he'll do it for you. If that's the way he wants to do it for you by deliverance, boom. So he overcomes the resistance just like that in a moment, in, in a moment, sort of like, like, you know, if you people are arm wrestling, you know, if somebody's arm wrestling me, they just, they just knock me over. No problem. That, that deliverance. So in a moment's notice, God, you pray, you're asking God and the next moment you're delivered. you delivered, you, you're not an alcoholic any longer. As, as some people say, well, you're always an alcoholic. I, that, that, I don't think that's true, but that, that doesn't fly with God. Uh, but when God delivers you, it's over. Uh, and I have testimonies to, to, to share with you from people in our very own church here. Uh, that God delivered them from drugs and they were delivered, boom, right now. Never again did they even have uh, a desire for the drugs any longer. So uh, it is not always that easy. The second idea of this power, then, to me is obedience. So, so, so we we, we went with the arm wrestling, right? So if the deliverance is a boom, boom, all in a moment's notice, you're done. And but the the second portion is obedience uh, that comes to my mind, and obedience is not like God couldn't deliver you in a moment's notice. But he decided that he wanted you to be obedient to him in the matter. For an example, he delivers you, let us say, from smoking. Um, And so he says, no more smoking. Be obedient. I will give you the power to, to quit smoking if you just look to me. If you just lean on me. If you just trust me. If you just walk in obedience, I will give you the power. It is not like you're slaving. "Ah, ah, ah, No more smoking. Uh, It is not as easy as what I'm trying to portray. Because sometimes if you've been smoking for 25 years and, and, and God is asking you to be obedient, it is still, you know, you're still a bit of a struggle. That is the obedience thing. How obedient are you going to be to God? Is the question. And, you know, folks, I... I I don't know why, but somehow or another, God in my life hasn't worked with deliverance. He has worked with obedience. (laughs) So uh, I know what I'm talking about. Yes. But what a great gift he has given me, this power to be obedient. Uh, I'll just give you a quick testimony since... It's not just people from, from our church, but people in Africa and in South America that need to hear these things. Uh, some friends in Austin and other places that need to hear these things that uh, I used to have a, a tremendous pain. I, I, I make it very brief in my stomach and a tremendous pain. And it would incapacitate me this time in my life that I'm speaking of. This is about 40 years ago. I would have it twice a day. I couldn't do anything. And I laid on the couch and I asked, I prayed. Uh, because this pain caused me to pray faster than anything and i say lord if this is my thorn in the flesh i hate it but i'll take it because nothing gets me to pray start praying faster than this but if this is something that i'm doing that you would like for me not to do and deliver me from this pain then lord I, i i i would like to hear from you and it was boom just like that uh uh, 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 immediately and completely different than I thought. He says, and this was just to me. So this is not a message to you. This is a message that God shared with me personally. And he said to me, no more coffee, no more carbonated drinks. So that was it. And since then, I have had maybe some carbonation just because uh, by accident, we were at a wedding. I got some of the punch. I drank. I <laughs> drank. Immediately when I drank once one little swallow, my tongue I I I I knew that it was carbonation, and so I I I I didn't do it. Um, so and and many, many other instances that God has used in my life for obedience sake. No more coffee, no more carbonated drinks. And it is not like I wouldn't like coffee anymore. I would love coffee more than before, because you have these exotic kind of coffees and these exotic creams. That you can, oh, oh, even the smell of coffee. But God said, <laughs> God said, no mas, no more. Then we look at the word give. He had, okay, so I go back over the, the, the verse. As his divine power has given to us. Given. The word give. What is to give? Wow. That is, you know, I I, I sort of, have to ponder that a little bit because i feel like that when god gives something uh there's no strings attached but it seems when when human beings give something it seems like there is almost always not always but almost always some if not many strings attached um but here the word give over here, I, I might my, my little definition is, and maybe I borrowed it from Webster part of it or whatever. I, I I I forget, but I'm happy to give them credit for it, is to release the control and possession of something to someone else without receiving anything in return or having the expectation or motivation to receive something in return. That is giving. So there's no strings of text whatsoever. You give it. And this is the word giving that is used here in the text over here. Uh, I'm no Greek scholar, but I, I, I look at, at, at some of these things to to for my own uh, for my own understanding so that I can also relate that to people that, that I'm speaking to and teaching. There's two words there that 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 it could be. It could be Doreo, Doreo, D-O-R-E-O, Doreo. Or it could be didomi, didomi, d i d o m i, d i d o m i, didomi, or dorio, and dorio has a stronger and uh, and is more expressive than didomi, in the sense that okay, you could give something to someone else, right? You could give something to someone else, and uh, and 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 there's no really any. Any, any, any uh, hard feelings. There's no, 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 no real sense of uh, uh, big-heartedness involved. You just give it. Maybe you just want to get rid of it, and so that is legitimate giving, totally legitimate giving. But here, the word dorio has to do with a gift that comes out, out of the deep, big-heartedness of the giver, and. For the benefit, as we find out, he gave it to us for the benefit of the receiver. Yes. So sometimes we give something because we want to get rid of it. Um, so sometimes we have spring cleaning and we give uh, a bunch of our stuff to uh, a resale store that resales it for a little bit and they make a little bit and they, they spend the money on, on, on good causes. Um so that gift is basically doing ourselves a, va- a favor because we do doing spring cleaning. But nevertheless, it's giving. You don't expect much in return, but it is not with a deep, big heartiness that I'm speaking about over here. It is basically, you want to get rid of it. And, and best place to get rid of it is the, the first place you find that wants to receive it, you give it to them. They say, hey, I, I, I'm interested and come get it. Uh, And and, and if they wait too long, you give it to somebody else because you want to get rid of it. So that's what I'm trying to say. So this is the giving that God is giving is big, big hearted. Now, that kind of giving is what God wants us to give like. That kind of giving is what God wants us to give like. Nothing wrong with giving uh, because you, you want to get rid of something. But... This is a different category. This is a big-hearted giving. Uh, and that is what it speaks of over here. And then it talks to what the, the, the words to us. To us. He has given it to us, that is to say, for our benefit. He has given it to us for our spiritual strength, that uh that we might manifest through the additional strength that we have gotten, the power, the additional spiritual strength that we have gotten. That it might manifest itself in our physical and material life as well, as well of course in our spiritual life. Yes, it is a spiritual power what it's speaking of over here, and it manifests itself many times also in, in the the, the daily living and our daily behavior. So he has given those for our benefit that we should take advantage of it. You see, this is what I'm talking about in this sermon today: is that you're not stuck. You're not locked in. You're not trapped. God has had, God has made for you an escape. He has given this power to you so you could escape it. We'll, 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 we'll detail it more for you here in a little bit. So uh, when Satan is beckoning you his way and trying to deceive you and, and, and have you move away from God and do these ungodly things, then you have a way out. You're not stuck there. He's given it to us for our benefit. And then it goes on to say all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Whoa, all things, no exceptions, all things, not all things minus one, not all things minus two, not 90%, all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I need to define a little bit the word life over there so that we we know what we're talking about and in the in the, in the greek there is basically uh two uh that i'm aware of two words for life one is uh, 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 forgive me for perspiring a little bit hey it's a little warm but no it's no problem uh, i i i've been all my adult life i've been a tennis pro and played tennis since i was 13 years old so i've done a lot of that so this is not a problem for me hope it's not a problem for you um, so the word life over here could be either bios, okay, that has to do with, uh, the things that keep you alive, like food, drink, shelter, uh, clothing, even, uh, nutrition, the things that keep you healthy and so on and so forth. Bios, we get the word biology, the science of this sort of life. We get that word biology from, from there. That is not what it's speaking of over here. The word Zoe, Z or Z O E, Z O E, is the way it's spelled. Um, and that word, and we, we have uh, one uh, uh, real sweet young teenager in our church whose name is Zoe. That's what your name means, Zoe. The life of God, the God life, the God kind of life, Zoe. That is what he has given to us. He has given us all things that have to do, that pertain, that are in connection, that are in relation with this kind of life. So, so this is not so much as eat and drink and shelter. This is has to do with a spiritual life. The God kind of life that he has given to us. So once again, I want to bring to your attention, that kind of life has the power to escape, not even go there in these dark places and these dark. Pla- but if you find yourself over there, He has made a way of escape for you, bigger than the Great Escape. Zoe, uh, this is also the word that is used in a very familiar passage in John ten ten, where He says, "The thief came to steal, ki- uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that you might have life." And have it more abundantly. So he says there's someone, the thief, that's the enemy of our soul. He, he, All he wants to do is rob you, steal from you. He wants to kill you, whatever he can. And he wants to destroy you. Whatever it is that you have, he wants to destroy. And sometimes in not obvious ways, sometimes in sneaky ways, because he's trying to deceive you. He's not only trying to tempt you, he's trying to deceive you. When you're tempted, you know that you're being tempted. When you are deceived, by definition, you don't know that you are deceived. Otherwise, you wouldn't be deceived. So he's the great deceiver also. That's not mentioned in this verse, but we know that this is true. So this is how he steals from us. He he deceives us. This is how he kills things in our lives. And, And killing could be the physical killing or physical destruction, but it is not limited to that, it is mostly that He has come to kill uh, and destroy and steal from our families, from our relationship with our wife, our relationship with our children, relationship with your employer and employees. Yeah, uh, 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 the, the, He steals from us uh, our reputation, our testimony, whatever it is. He wants to kill it. But Jesus says, I'm come that you might have life, Zoe life zoe and have it more abundantly zoe life that you might have the life of god the god kind of life more abundantly my dear brothers and sisters that is what i want more of that kind of life that manifests itself in that kind of love and that kind of joy and that kind of patience and that kind of understanding And that kind of compassion. And that kind of forgiveness. On and on and on and on. And he says, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, Life and godliness. So, sometimes the word end is just a word that just adds one thing to another thing. You know, I had... um, I went to the movies and... Then I went to the mall. Okay, just I'm adding one event to another. Not necessarily connection. But here, Peter makes a connection between life, Zoe, and godliness. And he's saying that the life, that God kind of life that God has given you, must express itself in godliness. In other words, that that kind of life that God has given you is a transformative kind of a life. A life that is transformed into your behavior being more godly. So that your behavior, the way that people look at you, the way you walk here on earth, the way you present yourself here on earth, the way you speak here on earth, the way you treat people here on earth is connected with that Zoe life because it shows itself in godliness in a God kind of characteristic in your life then he goes on to say through the knowledge of him this is big that speaks about jesus christ over here uh, to the knowledge of him how we talked the last couple of weeks about the knowledge of jesus uh, knowing him uh that uh, paul was saying uh that i may know him and the power of the resurrection, and so on, and so on. We talked about that, uh, uh, sort of an intimate knowledge. And he says that this, uh, this, this godliness, this, this life that you're going to get, it is through knowing Him. It is through knowing Jesus Christ that you get that. Without knowing Jesus Christ, you don't have this. So here, I want to just pause for just a second, and just say, Do you know Him? Okay, so you say, yes, I know Him. I, I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ for what He has done for me on the cross, and I believe in what He's done for me on the cross, forgiven me all my sins, and that He was raised from the dead. I believe that. You're a follower of Jesus, Christ, Amen. But do you know Him really? Well, I feel like I know Him, but I want to know Him more. But... Let me, let me address it a little bit differently over here. If you don't know him at all, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is the point in my sermon. I want to just pause and say, would you give your life to Jesus Christ so that you don't find yourself stuck, so that you have a way of escape? I know plenty of people. You read about them. You see movies about them. You talk to them. Uh... Plenty of people that hate where they are. They hate so much where they are that they even hate themselves. My dear friends, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, friends, uh, if you don't know Jesus, get to know him today. Give your life to him today. Tell him, Lord, I want you to come in my life and rule my life for me. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of defeat. I'm sick and tired of being in the dumps. I'm sick and tired of uh, my life not going anywhere. Not having victory in my relationships, in my attitude, in my heart. Uh, no victory. I feel defeated. Don't be stuck over there. Let the Lord Jesus Christ, to the knowledge of him, let him get you out of this bind. And with an escape bigger than the great escape. Let him help you. He wants, he wants to help you. Then we go on. uh, Then it says that we're called by him uh, uh, to, uh, or by glory and virtue. So let's talk about both a little bit. um, So that uh, we, we have a bigger picture. We're called by virtue and 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 by glory and virtue so here it it is saying that the knowledge of Jesus what we have known of Jesus what we have seen of Jesus what we have heard of Jesus that knowledge in one form or another that knowledge is what gives us a calling is what compels us what says come It's, it's, it's like a calling to say hey listen Uh, You see the Jesus, you read the Jesus, you experience the Jesus. He says, come, it is a glorious, glorious life that you see. And he wants you to be part of that. He's He's called you by glory. But he hasn't only called you by glory. He has also called you to glory. And virtue to glory because that that Jesus that you see that you have maybe experienced that maybe uh, you have read about that Jesus is saying come I want you to be part of it I want your life to be like my life glorious and full of virtue and my dear brothers and sisters <clears throat> I'm not sure that there is things that are as convincing or more convincing than that makes Christ real in other people's minds than a life lived gloriously, that a life lived like Jesus, a Christ-like life, a life that demonstrates, a life that exhibits, a, a life that makes Jesus obvious. I'm not sure there's too many things that are more Uh, convincing than that in the life of other people especially unbelievers oh there's many of other things that that can be convincing but certainly a life like that is a most convincing life of the the reality of Jesus Christ Uh, grow growing up I, I became a believer when I was 25 years old and excuse me, let me have a sip of water over here. Um, Maybe I get too excited. (laughs) Mm. That happens to me easily. Uh, So at 25, I became a Christian and I was not going to be, I was a hard nut to crack. Let me just say that Uh, for people to convince me about Jesus. I had a lot of questions and I was not going to follow Jesus just, just because somebody else said so. I was going to follow Jesus because he convinced me he made himself real to me <clears throat> by whatever means it's too long a story to, to tell you all of that. And so when I received Jesus Christ, I wanted the same for my children. And I thought to myself. How can my children be convinced that Jesus is real? And I knew that one of the ways was. That they must see Jesus in me. That my thinking was that if they would ever uh, reject Jesus in any way. If they would ever say, well, maybe, maybe not. Is he real? Is he not real? That they couldn't, they couldn't come to a place. But that Jesus was real. Because they had seen Jesus real in their father. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I ever have that any place. I'm not saying that I, I, I am that person. That was my desire. That's what my desire. And I tried to live my life that way best I could. Flawed as I was. Flawed as I still am. But that is what I wanted my children to see. That So that when they came to a place, I Jesus, yes. Jesus, no. No. They couldn't deny that they had seen the re- reality of Jesus Christ in their father. <clears throat> and so um, uh, one one of the daughters of Ravi Zacharias that I mentioned earlier uh, she has this saying and I've, 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 in the meantime I've read that other people, uh, thinkers uh, Christian thinkers have also come up with the idea that love is the greatest apologetic love is the greatest apologetic, when you love someone when that kind of love the God kind of love comes through your life, then <clears throat> then uh, the, 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 it's 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 hard to beat. It's hard to argue with. <laughs> our, our argument is, is 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 off the table when you really truly love like Jesus loves. And then here the next word is by which um, it talk, talks about the glory and and virtue. And then the next word is given again. The same word that we saw earlier in in um, uh, in, in verse. Three. Now we're going to verse four, and it says here that through, through the glory and the virtue, by which, through the instrumentality of that, we have uh, uh, been given uh, uh, some more things. Uh, same word, given, that uh, is so significant to us, and once again the words to us for our own benefit. And our own um, uh, advantage in the Christian life. Including for the advantage of the kingdom of God. So that other people might come to Jesus Christ. They might come to the kingdom of God. And what has been given to us? Exceedingly great and precious promises. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That that you know that, that makes me happy, that that gets me to a place of enthusiasm. What what has given, been given me is exceedingly great and precious promises. Exceed, not just promises, uh, promises of God is uh, that 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 should be enough. Great promises of God should be, but exceedingly great and precious promises. Those are some promises. Now, I know some of the promises of God. I'm sure I don't know them all. But when God says to me, He has given me exceedingly great and precious promises, oh, what a joy fills my heart. What happiness comes over me. What enthusiasm comes over me. I get the feeling of victory. I get the feeling of, well, maybe God has a miracle in store for me. I don't know. I I just remember the song by Stephen Annie Chapman. Uh, Things are looking right for a miracle. Ain't no reason I should get hysterical. Open up the door. God, you've done it before. Things are looking right for a miracle. Well, Maybe things are looking right for a miracle in your life with this Corona thing going on and so on and so forth. So, uh, but look to God. Look to Jesus. Be on his side. Ask him for help yield yourself to him he'll help you um, through and then through these precious promises uh, then uh, we have become it, it is our possibility God gives us that we may be partakers of his divine nature that it, he doesn't say that we may be partakers of his divine nature as if to say well well you're not going to but you know, uh, maybe, no, no, no. He, he offers us that possibility, he, he offers us that possibility, because he has made a way 2,000 years ago on the cross, and he says, hey, if you just yield to me, if you just look to me, I have already made it possible, now walk with me, yield to me, and make that a benefit to yourself, take advantage of what I have done, I've given it to you, Peter says to us, which is collective, but I just want to make it more personal, he has given it to you, that possibility of becoming a partaker of his divine nature. Now, this, my brother says, does that sound like losing? Does that sound like being defeated? Does that sound like being locked in into a, a, a sinful lifestyle? Does it mean that you're locked into uh, whatever craving that your uh, lower nature is uh, putting up on you? No, you're not locked in. No, you're not, you're not trapped. God has made a way out. We'll we'll come to that in just a little bit. Matter of fact, the very next phrase says, having escaped. (laughs) Bigger than the great escape. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you don't mind, let's, let's look at it backwards first. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Let's look at a phrase through lust. So there is corruption in the world. <clears throat> whatever form of corruption you 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 think of it, whatever form of corruption it may be, it is because of our fleshly desires. Lusts. That's what it means over there. Lust is fleshly desires. The desires of our lower nature. When they when we give them victory over what Jesus wants to do in our lives, it is corruption of some sort. <clears throat> That's what our low nature, uh, and that is the corruption that is in the world, period. That is in the world, that is, that is uh, uh, the corruption that is in the world in, in a home. That is in the world in a business. That's in the world in a politics. That's in the world in the church. That's in the world in, in a restaurant, uh, wherever it may be. Corruption caused by our lower nature. And Jesus says, "I have given you an escape out of there." The word "escape," having escaped over here, means by flight. Uh, in other words, He is saying, "Get away from there! Come to me! If you just come to me and under me and yield to me, I will, I will have already made a way for you. You just this is for you, for you taking, for you receiving." You're just walking in it, my dear brothers and sisters. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Peter is talking about over here. You're not stuck in any way, you're not trapped in any way. I'm trying to tell you the word of God over here, what it says, so that you might know that you're not trapped, that you might believe that you're not trapped, and that you might walk accordingly. You're not trapped. You are not trapped. God has made for you a way of escape, bigger than the great escape. So let me read the verses to you one more time, then I'll play you a song. Uh, verse verse three, as his divine power, I've memorized it because I'm on camera, I, I, may not, I might, might miss it a little bit, so I'll read it to you. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us, By glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust.